Still in the aftermath of Oklahoma's 27-24 loss to the Oklahoma State Cowboys, just how damaging was that defeat to the Sooners in 2023? We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked on Sooners. You are Locked on Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash College. Terms and conditions apply. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on the KREF Sports app. And Josh, I think everybody's still kind of in this fog a little bit in the aftermath of Oklahoma's loss to Oklahoma State. It still doesn't feel very real. It's a little bit different than how we felt two years ago. We really even didn't get a chance to process the loss to Oklahoma State in Stillwater two years ago because – Less than 12 hours after that loss, Lincoln Riley was off to USC. So we had a whole different thing to process. But this one just, it still kind of sits heavy, you know, because it was a game that, yeah, Oklahoma didn't play well in, but had plenty of opportunities to win the game and take control of the game. And Oklahoma State either played well enough or Oklahoma's miscues kept them from taking charge in this game. So I ask you, really, what does it do for Oklahoma this season? And what does it say about the Sooners moving forward? Well, the obvious first and foremost is college football playoff hopes. We all are aware are done national championship. That means those hopes in 2023 are done. Maybe the big 12 championship hopes are done. I mean, obviously you would need multiple losses now coming down the home stretch from Oklahoma state to get in. If uh, Texas takes care of its business, the rest of the way you could see a Texas loss and and then maybe that would open up the door, but uh, probably for Oklahoma, there's a pretty good chance that it means that you're not going to be playing in the big 12 championship game. Now, even if you take care of your own over the next three, so that would be where I'd start, right? It's that damaging for Oklahoma in that regard, which very frustrating on that front when you and I sat here and probably many others sat here and there and everywhere and talked about, Oklahoma finishing this stay in the Big 12 where it started, where they've resided, and that's atop the conference. And unfortunately, at least now, unless things change, and Oklahoma State is capable of losing at UCF. That's a team I think that's capable of beating them if a number of things go right. Uh, Texas, I don't know that I see the loss in the remaining games there, but hey, it's college football, right? So I'm not going to say it's totally impossible until the schedule has uh, has been played for everyone, but probably more than likely you can get yourself in the mental state of you will not be playing for the Big 12 championship game. So to me, is it uh, a death sentence for the Brent Venables era? No. Uh, is it uh, Does it suddenly signal that Oklahoma's uh, heading for mediocrity or all of this isn't going to eventually get to the point to where Oklahoma's doing the things that Oklahoma wants to do, John, which is 
attacking greatness and capturing greatness. No, I don't think that uh, necessarily is the case, but for the here and now in terms of some of the first goals that Oklahoma would have on the table. Yeah. I mean, it's incredibly damaging in that regard. Brent Venables talked about it at big 12 media day, or what maybe it was OU media day. One of the two where he said that this team had a chance to hang a banner this year. And that chance is now a lot slimmer after two consecutive losses. I mean, there's still a chance. I mean, so you're telling me there's a chance, but it's a very small chance. Uh, according to the ESPN Football Power Index, Oklahoma's chance to win the Big 12 is now down to 14.3%. Again, this is based on simulations and computer models and all that. They need a lot of help. They really do need a lot of help. But it all starts with Oklahoma's just got to win. I mean, if they win every game, they'll give themselves a shot. If they lose another one, then they have no shot. So all they can do is really take care of business in front of them. But And like I get the conversation that's happening right now in, in several venues, and I totally understand talking about where Oklahoma's at in relation to expectations preseason. It's fair. It's a fair conversation to have. I want to have that conversation after this season is over based on how Oklahoma finishes this thing, because after a seven and zero start beating Texas, to me, the expectations changed. I remember sitting here on this show in the preseason talking about the floor for Oklahoma was eight wins. Most people said, no, nine, 10, 11. Most people were predicting 10 and two. If you looked in our YouTube chats, I think most people expected a loss or two on the schedule. Well, you have two losses on the schedule. You're not going to really be able to get to, you know, 10, 11 wins if you drop another one. So you'd have to go win out. And, and yes, the expectations changed when you started seven and oh, well, now they change a little bit now that you've lost two games, but based on who Oklahoma has left on the schedule, I expect them to win every single game. That's my expectation for this team. Yes, you've had injuries. Yes, you haven't played as well these last few weeks. That doesn't change. You played well against Texas. you got to find that spark that allowed you to play maybe a little bit better than what you're capable of. you got to get back to that. And again, you're going to outmatch each and every team that's on the schedule. But if you have mental miscues, if you have turnovers, if you have penalties by the coaching staff on the sideline, you know, you're not going to be able to overcome all of that in a game and then expect to win when you're not playing your best. So you've got to either play lights out football like you did against Texas, or you got to play mistake free football. And if you're not able to do either one of those things, it's going to be really tough sledding to get to 10 wins this season. I thought uh, this note was kind of interesting. So every week, whether it's CBS sports or us at USA today, sports, Winners, losers each week, right? And it's an easy conversation to have that Oklahoma State's a winner because it's the final bedlam and Oklahoma's a loser. But uh, in his attachment of Oklahoma being a loser, I thought Shehan Jayaraja at uh, CBS had a couple of interesting nuggets within it. He said, perhaps more troubling for Oklahoma than the fact that your college football playoff hopes are damaged, your Big 12 title hopes are damaged, is the state of the program conversation. And listen to what he wrote next, John, which I get that this is kind of getting into the uh, the component that you were saying, hey, let's totally wait to judge this after the season. But it's, it's kind of interesting still where we're at right now to just hear this, unfortunately. Okay, so he writes, the offense has crumbled under pressure in losses to Kansas and Oklahoma State, and even down the stretch in wins over UCF and Cincinnati. The defense has given up 31.3 points per game over the last three games after surrendering just 10.8 points per game prior to the Texas game. 
when Brent Venables took over the program, Oklahoma Oklahoma had a streak dating back to 1999 of never losing consecutive regular season games outside of the pandemic season when John Oklahoma lost those couple of games early that year. Now the Sooners have lost consecutive regular season games three separate times under Brent Venables. I, I'm still not going to sit here and, and jump off the cliff because of things that have gone on this year. Because I'll counter Shayon. And, and Shayon, listen, Shayon's a great friend of the show. He's been on with us. You know, we have a ton of respect for him. And But I'll, I'll counter his point here by saying there's been drastic improvement from this defense. You look at what happened in 2022. They allowed 40 points or more in four consecutive four consecutive games to start Big 12 play. And then they allowed 51 points to Texas Tech late in the season, in the final game of the regular season. This year, they haven't allowed 40 points to anybody. They've only allowed 30 points or more twice. Uh, And that was to Texas and to Kansas, two really good offenses. So while, yes, there are some troubling signs from the last couple of games, in particular the losses, and maybe some troubling signs from the UCF game, I also think that there are going to be some positive things that we can look to. And this isn't to try to play glass half full or, or you know, rose colored glasses. If you want all the negative takes, go see our last episode. We had 30 minutes where we led into this team and this program and let them have it and the officials for how that game went on Saturday. But we're going to talk about some of the positives because listen, there are positive things to take away, even from a loss. I'm sorry if you don't want to hear that yet. We're going to talk about it. We'll do that here after the break. Every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. That's why you need to check out LinkedIn jobs. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. They help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Again, if you've never been a part of the hiring process, and maybe this is your first time and you got to, you got to find an employee and you're not sure where to start. LinkedIn is a great place for you to start. You can post your job for free. Just use the purple hashtag hiring frame and LinkedIn jobs gives you great screening tools and questions to help you narrow down the candidates that best fit your job and your position. I've been a part of hiring. You look at resumes and you're just not sure what you're looking at. You can see a lot of great things on a piece of paper. You can even, somebody can even interview well, but unless you are able to dig deep, like LinkedIn allows you to do, you're not going to be sure if they're going to be a great fit for you. So go to linkedin.com slash locked on college or use promo code locked on college to post your job for free. Again, LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Again, you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right, Josh, we're going to do the, the glass half full, the crimson colored glasses a little bit. Yes. Losses suck, and we're not going to sit here and try to tell you that there's any kind of moral victory that takes place. Somebody responded to a tweet that I shared on the Locked On Center's Twitter account, go follow that, where I did highlight a few positive things from the game. And they're like, oh, moral victory. Like, no, dude, it's not a moral victory. There's no moral victories. It's an L. But there were some positive performances in this game. So, Josh, let me let you kick it off. What was something positive that you saw out of the Oklahoma Sooners on Saturday? So some of the individual names I'm sure we'll talk about in just a moment. There's a couple that come to mind. I'm just from a bigger picture team standpoint going to say, I like that the defense after a slow start found a way to come away with some, some stops. 
They, they positioned you to win the game. Now, didn't win the game, and you would have liked one one more drive that doesn't turn into a touchdown. And we're talking about a game that Oklahoma wins, or maybe it's an overtime, whatever, right? But uh, I, I liked what Oklahoma was able to do from an adjustment standpoint after some not-so-great tackling at the beginning of this game. You and I were running down the pro football focus numbers uh, a little bit uh, before we started rolling here. And what did we come up, come away with? 17 missed tackles? Was that the number? And I told you, yes. Yeah. I told you, I mean, how many of those were in the first quarter? It felt like a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. It did feel like a lot. So at any rate, that, that was to me, one of the positives of this game was that uh, Oklahoma did show an ability to adjust defensively and give themselves a chance to go win a football game, which feel how you want to feel about Bedlam and about Oklahoma State, that's that's a good football team right now. Is it a great football team? No, I don't think so. Is Kansas a great football team? No. But uh, relative to where we were a season ago, defensively, that that is an Oklahoma defense that in-game is showing you, okay, they can make adjustments and then position a team to go win a football game, which you have to do that against not even great teams, right? Every once in a while, a good team is going to go put some points on the board and have a nice start against you. And that was the case, uh, unfortunately, for Oklahoma on Saturday in Bedlam is Oklahoma State did get off to a positive offensive start, and yet defensively they were able to tighten things down, John, and again give themselves a chance. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a huge takeaway from this because the, after the first couple of drives for Oklahoma State, I mean, it looked like they could score 50 points on them. And then Oklahoma really ratcheted things down. They tightened things up, especially in coverage. Alan Bowman started this game like 12 of 14, and then he was 5 of 14 over his next 14 pass attempts. And then after halftime, again, he came out looking really, really good. I think it was 10 of 10 to start the first half or second half, sorry. Uh, but then again, Oklahoma, they kind of locked things down, and they they made him a little bit less efficient in the fourth quarter of that game where he was – let me see if I can find the stat for you real quick. In the fourth quarter, he was just 5 of 9 after being six of six in the third quarter. So, you know, they they adjust and they do make really good in-game adjustments. I think, again, I come back to how good Oklahoma is in short yardage situations on defense. It's just incredible to me that they are as good as they are. I mean, we go back to the Texas goal line stand. I mean, they had the goal line stand against, was it UCF as well before Jaron Cannon kind of gave him a free possession, had the goal line stand against Kansas and then, you know, the targeting call that may or may not have been a targeting against Reggie Pearson, again, gets them a fresh set of downs on that one. And then in this one, against Ollie Gordon and Oklahoma State's offensive line, I mean, they held him to one of four on fourth down, multiple times stuffing them on third and short, stuffed them on fourth and short. I mean, this team is just really, really good in short yardage situations. And that gave Oklahoma a, a great opportunity to win this game. And, and I think that continues to show the resiliency and the toughness of this team. You know, it's not fully there with the entire program yet. We're not seeing it fully on the offensive side of the ball. We're seeing a lot of mental miscues and, and mistakes happen when, when the game does get tight. That's something I will agree with Shahan on that when the game got tighter, this team just wasn't able to withstand the pressure and, and they made mistakes that Oklahoma state was able to keep to, to uh, capitalize on. But as the game got tighter, Oklahoma's defense stepped up in big ways. You know, when uh, Dylan Gabriel has the snap bounce off his shin and, and Oklahoma State, you know, recovers the ball just outside the red zone. 
Oklahoma's defense responds with a three and out and they kick a field goal like that right there. I mean, that is toughness. That is, that is a, a tough minded defensive unit that says, nah, screw that. We're getting the ball back. We're not going to let them score a touchdown. We're going to hold them to a field goal. And they did. And then after the, the Drake stoops, you know, defensive pass interference, non-call, what the defense do? They went and they got the ball back again for the offense and gave the offense another chance to go and tie or win the game. So like as much as yes, the defense gave up a lot of yardage, Oklahoma state was able to score 27 points. You didn't win the game, but it goes back to that Texas game, right? Where, okay, Texas did put up over 500 yards of total offense, but the defense made winning plays in the game to help you win the football game. Same thing happened in this one. The defense is playing winning football. It's just now we're not getting complimentary football from the offense. So that's that's a huge positive takeaway for me, Josh. Absolutely. I- individually, I know you wanted to talk about uh, somebody named Robert Spears Jennings. Oh, man, Robert Spears Jennings. You, it, it's good to finally see him get a little bit of an extended run. We've only seen him in like spot spot moments. And and I think it's it can be hard for any player if your snap count is – you know, kind of hit or miss. If you're only getting a few snaps here, a few snaps there, it's hard to get into the feel of a game and get into a flow of a game. But my man was playing with some fire and some passion and some speed in this game, you know, second on the team in tackles was seven and, and, you know, was huge on the fourth down stop on, on Ollie Gordon was coming from the backside and just committed and then made the sure tackle. I mean, he grabbed the leg and didn't let go and brought Ollie Gordon down to the backfield for the fourth down. And as soon as he brought him down, he was the first one raising that fist uh, for four, you know, signaling fourth down and, or I guess turnovers down. But I mean, it was huge, man. Such a huge game. And we've talked so much about, you know, Peyton Bowen. We've talked a lot about Billy Bowman and Key Lawrence and Reggie Pearson and, and a deep safety group that Reggie Pearson, or sorry, Robert Spears Jennings hadn't really gotten the opportunity to show his, his skill level, his talent and what he can bring to the table. But I think, The future is very, very bright for him. Hopefully we'll get to see more and more of him as the season goes along. I know a lot of Oklahoma fans also feeling good about, hey, if uh, the future is Kip Lewis and Kobe McKenzie, maybe things, and for Kip Lewis in particular, maybe things are going to be pretty bright post uh, Danny Stutzman if that decision is that he's not back uh, for next year with this, you know, when this season is all said and done. So that, I mean, you, you'd have to say Kip Lewis, another one of the, the bright spots finishes with 15 tackles, nine solo in this game for Oklahoma. So, I mean, he was flying around getting a hat on football all over the place. And it's just the way he plays the game. He knows exactly what he's doing and he he's a quick diagnoser of what's happening in front of him. And yes, maybe he's a little bit undersized. And there was one play in particular where, I mean, he he played his gap right, but the offensive lineman got to the second level and, you know, he had to deal with an offensive lineman and wasn't able to do much when uh, Ollie Gordon ran and, and got some big yardage. Or maybe it was the Allen Bowman touchdown run. Uh, but the dude plays plays really fast. He plays aggressive and he's a sure tackler. I, I really like what they've gotten him. And I know a lot of people are going to have the, he needs to start over Jaron Canick. I just think over the next you know, four games, whatever you got left, you just need to see a little bit more of a 50 50 split between the two, get Kip Lewis on the field more or rotate him more with Danny Stutzman, you know, get him on the field, continue to develop him. You got to keep developing Jaron Jaren Canick because he's going to be a big part of your defense as well moving forward. 
Desan McCullough, another defensive player that you just feel really, really good about and, and where he's trending toward. I mean, it hits his first year in the system, and he's already looking like one of the best players in the system, Josh. Yeah, it's exciting to think about his future as well. So there's some defensive pieces to feel good about. And as Oklahoma continues to build toward SEC next season and beyond, and hopefully a championship future that you, I, everyone in Sooner Nation is accustomed to and wants to get back to, then uh, some of these young defensive pieces are pretty exciting to think about. Up front, obviously, uh, we'll see how that develops, I think, going forward into next season is where we'll probably start really finding out about some of the young defensive line talent. I think that's an area where, to me, John, if we flip from positives back to, okay, uh, call it a negative or needs a little improvement, a defensive line is somewhere that I just don't know if this Oklahoma team, well, I do know. It's not been up to Oklahoma standards uh, at the defensive line, at least on a consistent basis. There's been some spurts here and there, so that would be the area defensively to where, I, you know, looking forward, okay, I, I've, I've got some more question marks, but uh, I do think they've, generally speaking, started to get better definitely in the, the defensive backfield, see signs of improvement and talent there. Linebackers like night and day from where this program has been. And I know it's not perfect and there's Jaron Canick needs to improve. And I think that he will, but uh, just from a sheer talent and athleticism standpoint and the amount of talent and athleticism for Oklahoma, I, I really think that linebacker room is starting to get where Brent Venables and Oklahoma wants it. So it is, there are positives folks. I, I know that look, this program's lost back-to-back games and that's not acceptable at Oklahoma. Losing back-to-back games four times over the last two seasons, not acceptable for Oklahoma. But in that, there are signs that uh, some things are improving. There are signs. Uh, We'll talk more about that. We'll uh, go over the polls that came out on Sunday, and we'll do that here after the break. Today's episode brought to us by Athletic Brewing Company. We're always preaching the the good of Athletic Brewing Company because guess what? There's nothing like leaving the party with no hangover ever. And Athletic Brewing Company, they're great. They've completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that, wait for it, taste good. And they've got uh, a number of different varieties, IPAs, Goldens, Sours. So whatever your taste palette may be, Athletic Brewing Company, they've got that for you. They're fit for all time, so you won't miss out if you're watching the big game, you're at your kid's game. Who knows? You're just hanging out at the house. Athletic Brewing Company, they're here for you, so check them out. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers, you can use our code locked on to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. One final positive takeaway, Josh, before we get into the poll, poll patrol, as I like to call it, is uh, the running game. The running game has started to really find itself. You know, Gavin Sawchuk had the big 64-yard touchdown run that started to show, okay, he's he's starting to come together a little bit. He's starting to put some things together and show the things that we saw in the Cheez-It Bowl last year. And I think that's a positive takeaway. And Tawi Walker, yes, people wanted him to carry the ball more. I'm just not sure if he was 100% healthy. But again, very effective in the running game. But yeah, the running game is starting to kind of come together 
for the Oklahoma Sooners. So I think that's a, another positive that we can throw to the offense, even though, even though the offense in its whole was not good enough to win this game. The running game is starting to look better and better each week. On the polls system, Josh, the Oklahoma Sooners in the USLBM coaches poll powered by USA Today Sports, number 16 in the AP Top 25, number 17, uh, two spots behind Oklahoma State in the AP, just one spot in front of Oklahoma State and two spots in front of Kansas in the coaches poll. So just interesting takeaways there. What do you think Oklahoma ends up? as a bowl team, do you think they're, uh, they're Alamo bowl bound? Do you think they got a shot at a, a new year six bowl? What's, what's going to happen here? I think if they win the next three, they they'd have a shot at a, a new year six, probably Alamo bowl being the more likely option uh, of those two. I mean, I, I'd have to really sit down and think about what the rest of the landscape looks like. Probably Alamo bowl, which, for this program is is disappointing, but the whole complexion of how we feel about this, and I shouldn't say the whole complexion, we'll feel a lot better if Oklahoma goes and wins these final three regular season games, which I think they should do, John. They're better than West Virginia. They're better than BYU. They're better than TCU. And oh, by the way, two of those three are at home. So Oklahoma, I think, should win these next three games, be a double-figure win team, finish 10-2, and two, and then we'll see about the aforementioned bowl destination. And if you go and win that, then all of a sudden you head into the offseason with maybe some restored optimism about this program, especially if uh, along the way in those potential four wins, the offense, some of these issues we haven't some of these issues we've seen, we don't have to talk about anymore, right? If if they fix some of that and Oklahoma wins these games by two, three scores, then I think you will, yes, naturally restore a little bit of that optimism. But then the other piece is there, which is something we talked about this past week. To me, to some degree for the fan base, this season was, yes, going to get defined based on the way that it built up for Oklahoma State in the final bedlam and, oh, you had beaten Texas, but they just lost the week before to Kansas. A lot of, I think, the good or bad taste at year's end was going to, in some ways, be defined by bedlam. And unfortunately, unfortunately, that went the wrong way. So winning fixes things, though, right? We're living in the loss right now. So you win three, four games. Okay, well, then uh, then maybe things will be better. What about you? I mean, what, what do you think? Alamo Bowl, New Year's Six, what is the prognosis? Yeah, I mean, I think it's more likely an Alamo Bowl. I don't think that they'll get a Cotton Bowl invite. I don't think they'll get one of the at-large bowl invites to the New New Year's Six just because there's so much depth in like the Pac-12 and the Big Ten uh, and obviously the SEC as well. And so I think they'll just be on the outside looking in on that. Now, some things could change and they could end up winning the Big 12 title and then find themselves in New New Year's, not New York, New Year's Six bowl but I, I think an alamo bowl thing is is probably the most likely scenario could it be against usc now that would be a a fun little little happenstance and a, a fun way to potentially end the season especially if uh, caleb williams doesn't play we can see brent venable's defense against uh whoever lincoln riley trots out at quarterback be it malachi nelson or or whoever i, I think that could be potentially fun um uh, a lot of a lot of angst and trip and uh What's the the word? A lot of maybe hostility would be at play in that game. Might break Lincoln Riley. I don't know. Unless both Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley are magically gone before uh, the game gets played, which yeah, I don't think that's going to be the case. But uh, 
It's certainly a scenario. Well, I mean, with the Alex Grinch news, it's, I mean, who knows what's going on. There's been the rumors all along this season that Lincoln Riley's kind of been flirtatious with NFL circles. That's not new. We, we heard some of that while he was at Oklahoma too, but no, it would, it would be an exciting matchup and obviously a made for TV matchup, which probably most of these non playoff bowl games should be if you, if you can do that. But, uh, and then if you win the game, okay, that's, that's a one final nice note to end the season on. If you lose it, don't, uh, don't necessarily like that, but, uh, Hey, we got a lot, lot between now and then we got to see Oklahoma start by taking care of business at home versus West Virginia in a rare primetime game, John. That's right. You get the six o'clock uh, showdown. It's going to be dark. You can get to see some strobe lights and some uh, fun atmosphere in Norman this weekend. If you're attending the game, it's going to be a good time and it's a good opportunity to get some vengeance on West Virginia for last year's game. Oklahoma's a better team, but West Virginia is playing better football as well. We'll break more down about West Virginia as the week goes along. We'll have our live show Monday night, 9 p.m. Central time here on YouTube. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts for free and available on every platform. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref, myself at John Nine Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. Boomer Sooner.